Content warning. In this episode, we'll be discussing American slavery and race-based violence. What kind of sounds are buried in the mud? Where do the rhythms of the waves come from? Which streams run from West Africa across the Caribbean to the north of America? This podcast listens to the sounds of that most sung-upon river, the Mississippi. To the stories of people who live on its banks, between floods and bayous, rhythms and dance. And to the music of Swamp Dog, Donald Harrison, Layla Makala, Logan Schutz, and Kumasi. Vasa Music, Mississippi, part one. Sounds from the swamps. Mississippi River, in terms of uh, what happens here, is that specifically with the river, it's a repository for all of Middle America and most of America. Everything comes down and it's filtered to the Mississippi River. And then you have this rich delta that has soil from all over America in it. With all the commerce and the trading and the, the fact that New Orleans even exists is because of the riverbank you know, most of this city is actually under sea level, but because of the banks of the river, New Orleans has been able to survive without going underwater so far. I think the river is, I mean, it's just such a powerful force. It carries so much. In the springtime here, when the snow is melting up north, you see the surge. And it kind of is like, you know, this huge cleansing process to watch. And it's kind of incredible to think about, you know, all the energy that is dissolved in that water and carried out into the sea. To me, the Mississippi, I think, is about the widest and largest river that we have in the United States. Now, I could be starting off wrong, and but I don't think so. What the river means to me, I find the river exciting, but I find the boats on the river equally or more exciting because, hey, I'm not really crazy about rivers and lakes. The sound of the river has always been the same. I'm a fisherman, so I've fished a lot on the river. So I'm used to the sound of what the water sounds like. Even when it's raining, I know what it feels and sounds like. 
but when it's sunny, it changes from different times of the year to the winter, when we get a lot of water coming up from the Gulf all the way up to New Orleans. Mixed, all the water mixes up in the spring where everything is coming from the north. I think the sound of the river stayed the same, but the sounds around the river have changed. Donald Harrison is a saxophonist and composer born in New Orleans, Louisiana. He's hailed as a master of jazz and originator of several new styles, integrating soul, funk, and hip-hop, as well as composing for classical orchestras. His music is much like the Mississippi Delta, Harrison says, a confluence of many different sounds that merge together like the water and silt on the riverbanks. I've always felt that music should be connected. Music should be connected and life should be connected. And I just kept living my life and uh, learning from that perspective. I've had to fight record companies, people in the industry, because they couldn't see that kind of thinking had any relevancy. But I'm happy to say that I'm still standing and, and there are people who have been influenced that way of thinking. So you got to stick to your guns. <laughs> you got to stick to what you believe in no matter what. There are parts of the natural world around us that are animated in ways uh, that have consciousness, okay? And so rivers and bodies of fresh water are part of this system. Well, to give it a name, they are embodied by an Orisha who comes from the Yoruba people named Oshun. There's actually a state in Nigeria still today named Oshun State. This is where Oshun originally comes from. And Oshun lives in the rivers and in lakes and anybody of fresh water is representative of sweetness and love and wealth and these types of things. And so for me, being heavily steeped in this type of spirituality, when I spend time at the Mississippi River, when I listen to the Mississippi River, when I think about the Mississippi River, that is often what I think of. I think about Afro-Brazilian or Afro-Cuban songs for Oshun. I think about that energy of sweetness and honey and life and wealth. Logan Schutz is a drummer, percussionist, and lifelong student of rhythm based in New Orleans. His teachers have included Gabby Geddes of Brazil and the late great creator of Afrobeat drum kick rhythms, Tony Allen. 
Schutt's passion for Afrobeat led him to found and lead the 15-piece Afrobeat orchestra Kumasi in 2014. I'm very passionate about Afrobeat music. I've been listening to it for pretty much my whole adult life. And I felt like it's a style of music, you know, it's, there have been bands before Kumasi in New Orleans that have played Afrobeat music, but I believe Kumasi is the first band to really take on this large-scale instrumentation the way that Fela used to put it together and to really play Afrobeat in the type of form that it was designed to be played in. And so there's a lot of humility, I think, that comes from being near that water and a lot of reminders about what really matters. You know, I also believe in just letting bodies of water in general kind of carry out things that we need to process and things that we need to let go of. So for me, it's less about sound because that sound is often polluted by by other human beings walking around and more about the sight of it. You know, the only sound I will say that comes down the river that is kind of nostalgic and sweet and emotional to me is the old steamboats carrying tourists on a ride on the river. We have the Natchez and we have the Creole Queen. And those boats come by and you can hear the musicians playing and it's always like some trad jazz. And sometimes you hear the calliope. There's a woman who plays this calliope in the French Quarter and you can hear the the sound being carried by the river. I think if you hear, you know, big waves on the Mississippi, (laughs) you don't want to be near it. Changing tide, river rise, the water's high. Leave it all behind, let it flow by. Layla McCullough is a versatile musician that finds inspiration from her past and her present, be it her Haitian heritage or her adopted home of New Orleans. Singing in English, Haitian Creole, and French while playing cello, tenor banjo, and guitar, her music vibrates with three centuries of history, yet feels strikingly distinctive and contemporary. It's funny because I walk by the river literally every single day with my kids. We take an evening stroll on the Mississippi. It's been a hugely like kind of meditative and, and healing place for me. I wrote a song about the Mississippi River called Changing Tide, thinking about, you know, when the levees broke during Katrina. I wasn't a New Orleans resident. I had never even been to New Orleans in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina happened. But I was thinking about how many lives were changed by the power of all this water and kind of a reminder of how powerful nature is and how broken our systems as humans are. And usually when I'm writing those Southern songs, I think about Mississippi. I've got a hell of a connection with Mississippi as far as disc jockeys that I met over 40 years, 
50 years, I don't know, I'm the oldest person on earth. And I talk to them still sometime. And we talk about Mississippi itself, the state, but the river doesn't mean anything to me because one, I can't swim and I wouldn't go out there if I could because it's all types of wild water creatures out there. Jerry Williams Jr. grew up in Portsmouth, Virginia, listening to the songs of a Nashville radio station. He started a recording career in the 50s, and in 1970, radically reinvented himself as Swamp Dog, a music rebel who smashes the conventions of R&B, morphing into a psychedelic soul superhero. Since then, Swamp Dog has become one of the quintessential outsider figures in American music. Hey man, I got a pool that's pretty large. Only thing I've done is sat on the shallow side with my feet dangling in the water. I cannot swim, and I get mad if somebody starts playing around with me near the pool. So to keep from getting angry all the time, I just don't go inside the pool gate and let everybody have their fun. I enjoy entertaining certain people you know, but there's always somebody that brings somebody to the party. I'm still talking about water, by the way. Who goes, I never heard of you. I will put my fucking food down then. What you come out here for? But anyway, that's another story. High water rising and I sure can't swim. But if it keep on rising, you're going to follow him. There is no one correct way to listen to the river. There are multiple listenings and multiple rivers. Monica Moses Holler. When I listen to records in the 20s, I can hear African culture that they use inside of jazz to form it in New Orleans. What I've tried to do is have the whole history of the music inside of me, because I played with over 250 jazz masters, and I played with some of the guys who were playing in New Orleans in the 20s, and I'm also from the tribal area of music. So some kind of way, I, I became the missing link that had all of the music in me. I played with the beboppers, free jazz, smooth jazz, <laughs> funk jazz, you know, uh, fusion. I went out and tried to uh, get the history of the music from playing with all of the master innovators of every era of jazz. My favorite thing that happened 
is Sidney Bechet because he plays saxophone like me. <laughs> and I think his version of Maple Leaf Rag is a great masterpiece that I've studied and influenced me tremendously because he was able to put so many ideas together to create a style. One of the first great improvisers and thinkers in the music we call jazz today. As a musician living in New Orleans, I definitely have to appreciate the heritage of the music, I should say of the musics from New Orleans, because there is a diversity of music from New Orleans that I really enjoy. Most of these styles of music that are from New Orleans are still played in a vibrant way here in the city, I suppose arguably, but really jazz was created here in New Orleans as a result of Congo Square. Funk music, you know, has all these different versions in the United States, but if you go back to the 60s, you listen to bands like The Meters and what Alan Toussaint was doing, you know, funk also has very strong roots here. And the brass bands that play here in the street, if you go to other cities in the United States, there are bands that are brass bands that are trying to recreate this sound, but there are no brass bands anywhere else that sound like the brass bands in New Orleans. And so heritage is very strong here. It means a lot to musicians and to consumers of music. You know, my family's from Haiti and I've done a lot of research about the impact of the Haitian Revolution on Louisiana and New Orleans culture. It's kind of hard to imagine what New Orleans was before the arrival of these emigres from Saint-Domingue. Saint-Domingue was the name of the island at the time, the name of the territory at the time. And before people thought of themselves as Haitian or as New Orleanians, you know, they thought of themselves as being part of the French colony. And so I think about how the water carried in so much of this culture and how water was really the only way to to carry these people here, you know, either by force, you know, through the barbarism of the transatlantic slave trade, or really by plantation owners wanting to reinstall their sugar plantations that they had lost in Saint-Domingue in Louisiana. That's what comes up for me mostly when I think about how this body of water is connected to so much history. Although small in size, this region is known nationally and internationally as a center of tragedy and schism, of extreme levels of poverty and wealth, and of historic movements of repression and freedom, and as a center of both plantation culture and the African-American working class culture known as the blues. Clyde Woods.
lot of the songs that were written in the early years, like the years of W.C. Handy and Bessie Smith, they usually made reference to Mississippi or the Mississippi River. I had felt like I had been to Mississippi years before I went because there was a verse in the, in the St. Louis Blues that went, Mississippi River long, deep, and wide. Take me back to the other side. Take me back to St. Louis. Take me back to St. Louis. And the women back in the day, they were singing about what was happening in their life, like, you know, prison songs, and out in the field picking cotton songs. And I sang about depression. It's like the song called The White Man Made Me Do It. To be a slave. be pulled up on YouTube. And I also use a hell of a lot of phrasing that these guys did. African Americans in the Mississippi region have carried the message of black working class consciousness, pride and resiliency into national and international arenas. In addition to informing their daily lives and the life of the United States as a nation, their vision of social, economic, and cultural affirmation and justice is the mother of several global languages and philosophical systems commonly known as the blues, jazz, rock and roll, and soul. Clyde Woods. This was Vasa Music, Mississippi, Part 1. Sounds from the Swamps. A podcast produced by House der Kulturen der Welt. With Big Chief Donald Harrison, Layla McCalla, Logan Schutz, and Jerry Williams Jr., a.k.a. Swamp Dog. Music by... Sydney Bechet, Maddie Delaney, Swamp Dog, Donald Harrison, Skip James, Porgy Jones, Kumasi, Layla McCalla, Twins 77, Bessie Smith, and Alan Toussaint.
Quotes were taken from Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Monica Moses Holler, Langston Hughes, and from books by B. Brian Foster, I Don't Like the Blues, Freddie Williams Evans, Congo Square, and Clyde Woods, Development Arrested. Narration by Sarge Lynch. Recording, production, and editing by Yulia Forkefeld. Additional recording by Matthias Hartenberger. And interviews and script by Arno Refiner.